0: Welcome to the first-ever Unvarnished podcast, a place for real, live stories. This podcast is based on storytelling, and it's a collaborative effort between WUFT and Guts & Glory GNV. I'm Taylor Williams, the creative director of Guts & Glory GNV. We're a live storytelling organization based in the gorgeous Gainesville, Florida. I'll be your host for today. Welcome! This is our launch, our maiden voyage, our hello to the airwaves and the interwebs. And we're so glad that you're here to join us on all the fun. We know we're biased, but we think you're in for a treat. Unvarnished is a story podcast that is your place for real live stories. And today we've got Katie Heisen in the house with us. Katie is a storyteller here in Gainesville um, who has taken the stage a handful of times with different storytelling organizations. She took our stage um, in April for the first time. And we're so glad to have her with us to talk about storytelling in general and her own personal experiences. Hey, Katie. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Uh, Katie is, uh, we're going to tell you more about Katie because there's a lot of good things to say and kind of talk with her about her personal story as well. Um, But first, we want to tell you a little bit about why we're here and why we think storytelling is so important. Um, So Katie, why don't you start a little bit? What got you into storytelling to begin with?
1: I um, grew up writing storytelling that way. I hit mid high school and bought into the lie from the man that storytelling <laughs> isn't significant and that I mm-hmm. needed to do something important with my life that would be esteemed by people. Yeah. So I stopped writing and I buried it mm. for like a decade, like over a decade. Whoa. Found myself in a nonprofit career doing the important things that I said I'd do, mm-hmm. getting esteem from people for it not being happy. Um, And so not to get too woo-woo about it, but I (laughs) prayed. And what I felt like I heard was tell stories. So I started writing again. It was like coming back to life. And then a couple months into that, I passed this flyer for Guts and Glory. And the idea of telling a story into a microphone is (laughs) vomit-inducing, to be clear. But... I have this rule for myself that if anything scares me, even for a second, I have to do it, even mm. if I'm not interested in it. <laughs> I have to do it. And so I was introduced to you like a couple months later, and that was my cue. It was like time to do this horrible, scary thing. <laughs> and then it turns out to be my favorite thing ever. Oh,
0: that yeah. that is the best. So I did not know this. Full story about you, right? Or this combination of of things. And um, first of all, I'm not sure if I like being, I feel like a a little bit like a villain right now, (laughs) a villain who also empowered you somehow to do things that scare you. (laughs) Um, But I love that you hit on so many good things there, Katie, because I feel like in in my work with people, just in the creative sphere, so many people are given that message as a child, as um, an adolescent, and even As adults, you know, that what you're doing is not of value because Mm -hmm. of X, Y, and Z, and that you should, these are the things you should be doing, which is, you know, guilt inducing, it can be shaming, um, but it really leads us away from kind of our center, our true north, Mm -hmm. whatever you want, you know, our calling. And it's so compelling to me to know that someone like you knew it was there and the world kind of made you put it away, but that you brought it back. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so many people um, don't know to bring it back. They don't feel permission to bring it totally. back, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so it's kind of like a lost art within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. I love that you saw the flyer and that awakened something. <laughs> in, you. Know, in it awakened fear. fear. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I connect with that um, impulse, too, of – if something scares me and I feel really uncomfortable, I feel more of a draw to like, well, maybe that's something I should check out. But mm-hmm. I think I, I, we might just be kind of weirdos or there could be <laughs> other weirdos out yeah. there that want to connect with yeah. this idea. You that know? might
1: be diagnosable. Right? It really <laughs> might.
0: Exactly. But we're here to tell you it's OK. Yeah. Katie and I have survived diving into our fears. Um So you, before we met, I feel like I met you through a piece of your writing, which was Mm -hmm. in The Gainesville Sun, and you had written um, uh, an editorial through Mm Self-Narrate and through kind of their model, and they do amazing things. We're going to talk about them in a little bit. But um, that's kind of how, was that kind of your um, entryway into the storytelling scene in Gainesville first?
1: Yes, because I met Brandon, who's one of the co-founders of Self-Narrate, and he's incredible at giving people platforms to amplify their writing um, and their storytelling. But for me, I was looking for places to write because that was the only way I could conceptualize storytelling. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it in other mediums. And when he read what I wrote, he said, you should meet Taylor. Mm. And then I um, cried with fear. And then I did (laughs)
0: It's that villain I've read about yes. on the flyers. <laughs> Hopefully I've proved you wrong in that. Um, but in this moment, if podcasting scares you, I might be falling right back <laughs> into that role. I don't know. We're doing this first uh, first thing together. That's so cool. So um, let's try to help people kind of understand how all of this stuff happens. So for me, my background in getting to storytelling is also by way of rediscovering a part of myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I've shared this with you before, but as a little kid, I would um, perform all the time in front of my family. I would make books. I would write songs. I would do things like that. And then I became an athlete and really dove into that world. So I think I kept up my creativity, but there just wasn't as much of an opportunity for it Mm -hmm. because I was kind of owned by athletics and and chose to be. But then... um, I through my experience in athletics actually ended up um, wanting to go into the work of like empowering women and female athletes mm. and stuff so I got into mental health counseling and I became a therapist thinking that I would work with women mm-hmm. but in a, a very linear decision as I've shared before I moved to New York City and started doing TV commercials so <laughs> and as I was always tell people like my parents were probably super thrilled yeah good use of your master's <laughs> degrees dream. you know it's the dream <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And everyone thinks they can go to New York. But I had beginner's luck and through a dear friend, uh, got an agent and stuff like that and started doing TV commercials. But it was terrifying. It was one of those things that scared me. So that's why I wanted to do it. So they would say, okay, Taylor, here's the script, blah, 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 blah. Okay, Taylor, now we're going to take away this script. Just improvise. Do whatever comes to you. I didn't even really know what that meant. Uh, So I started taking classes in improv comedy from the Upright Citizens Brigade in New York. And... That led me to do more scripted work like storytelling mm-hmm. um, in, in DC with Story District DC At once I moved down there. So it was kind of this strange, at the time, this strange collection of experiences that in my mind actually ended up making a ton of sense and went together in this beautiful way like therapy, improv comedy, yeah. you know, and, and storytelling and... Um, and theater work and everything, I was watching groups of people who didn't know each other in these improv classes and on these storytelling casts create magic out of nothing. And it really reminded me of the therapeutic experience of trying to dive into who we are and bring the good things forward and the nasty stuff forward and just say, hey, here it is. You know, it's really vulnerability in action. And so, um, the goal, maybe twelve years ago, was like, huh, maybe I can put this together someday. So I can't. Be- I still kind of can't believe that it's happening like it is, where we have monthly shows and workshops and trainings and stuff. But the best part of, uh, I think, of my job as a producer is getting to meet people like you. Where it's like, where has this woman been <laughs> all my life? You know, <laughs> what did you say
1: on, on a, a farm. farm? I've had an interesting. <laughs> Life path, also very Uh linear from the inside. Yes, yeah, is
0: that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you want to say more about that? Solid career
1: choices, (laughs) not hard to explain in a job interview. Uh huh.
0: Do you want to give a couple examples, Katie?
1: I started out my illustrious career as a costume childhood entertainer. Um,
0: (laughs) and then about
1: that one, (laughs) yeah, I mean. Yeah. And then I went into um I was like sort of like a pastor, but not officially a pastor, which is like a really solid um thing to say in a job interview. Right, that's an mm-hmm. official title, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um yep. And then I went from that to farming, which made sense, and from that into immigration.
0: Sure. Yay. Yay. oh linear I get it linear now enough. yeah but see we we uh we get each other on this level too like yeah yeah totally that makes sense and yeah. when you're sitting in an interview they're like I'm not following you Katie yeah. you're talking about different people or yourself or <laughs> yeah so I mean but that this is the beauty and the magic of stories to me is that sometimes as people um going through the stories ourselves they make they do make total sense in the grand scheme of our yeah. lives but sometimes mm. they don't and I think that's why we get into story telling in many cases is to try to make sense of them for ourselves. And so the power of story is doing that as an individual, but then I think taking it a level... Deeper is being able to connect with people through these like weird things in our lives that are actually mm-hmm. pretty normal for others, but they connect with certain aspects of it. Yes. Even the even the fact that your path has been nonlinear, people mm-hmm. are like, yeah, I get that, you know, or emotions that you felt along the way. So we just think that, um, you know, storytelling is about connecting because we're all a part of humanity. You yes. know, it's not the literal yeah. stories all the time. So, um, you know, thus, Guts and Glory GNV was born out of all of these ideas and experiences. And we take stories from folks in our community and help them polish them up and kind of make them shiny and put them on stage. Uh, We take inspiration from organizations like The Moth. And StoryCorps, which may sound familiar to some of you listening to this right now. (laughs) Uh, Story District in D.C., where I kind of cut my teeth. I'm so grateful for them. And also the Perfect Liars Club in D.C. and I think London. Haven't been to that one. Um, We have monthly shows and workshops using improv comedy and storytelling together. So, again, storytelling is uh, really important because it unites us. Um, we've got we've got themes that we use every month for our shows that we hope people will free associate with, so that we can see, hear, and experience the wide variety of ways that people interpret the same idea. So, like some of our themes might be unrequited. Or When Nature Calls, which is where uh, your story came from, Katie, and you'll see how she free associated with that. Um, Or the theme might be scandalous or seed and spark, you know, and people take the themes and do all kinds of beautiful things um, with that free association. Uh, so our style is to take people's stories and, like we said, make make them you know kind of polished or more like curated shows versus having an open mic or um, like a more of a stand up style. So we we honor those other styles and this is just kind of the path that we've taken here. So um, so Katie, let's give the listeners kind of a lay of the storytelling land here in Gainesville. And like we said, you've been involved in self narrate. Um, with Brandon and Jaron. They're amazing co creators of that organization. Um, and do, do you want to talk a little bit about what Self-Narrate does? I can wing it. Yeah, sure. Um,
1: <laughs> from how my impression of it, Self-Narrate is more about empowering people to tell their story, to build um, resilience and self-efficacy. That's so they right. do that through live storytelling as well. Um, I haven't done that, but they also run a column in the Gainesville Sun. They have a podcast. They do um, workshops and things like that.
0: Yeah, definitely. So they have a monthly monthly... monthly meetup, which actually is happening this evening, I believe, but they do a monthly meetup, usually at the Bull, And those are great shows. So their, their style is to have a couple of planned storytellers on most occasions, and then kind of open up the microphone. And it's amazing what people bring forth because Mm -hmm. of what you're saying is this like, you know, that aspect of self-efficacy. And a lot of people come and tell things they've never told anyone before. I mean, that's clearly a powerful... Mm -hmm. Model um, another open mic storytelling gig that's been around for a long time is the Conk, um, and that is a live storytelling project that happens at Satchels, and they've been they've been in the game for a long time. Mm-hmm. Bill Bryson is behind that project um, with Natalie Nix and um, Rick Stepp. And uh, they, they do amazing things. There They also have themes, just like self narry does, and, and it's an open mic format. And tons and tons of people come to that. It's wonderful. You've done that, too, haven't you?
1: I have not. No? I, not yet. I thought I saw a picture of you. Radar. I think you have oh. a doppelganger. <laughs>
0: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <Did laughs> Wait, I? are you the real Katie Heisen? <laughs> Let's bring in Ira Glass yeah. now. Is <laughs> he <laughs> <See>, here? Okay. <laughs> so that's a great opportunity that you can go to. And then there's others. There's Dope and Mike. Um, you know like we are stand up scene here in Gainesville is is thriving and karaoke is making a comeback no. which yes which i think is its own form of storytelling cuz people have reasons that they
1: yes. choose these
0: songs and put themselves in that situation yes. you know um maybe we'll have to do that sometime together Katie um oh. No? No. Okay. (laughs) I can tell you're scared, which means I know you're going to do it. No, I did it
1: once in a cruise ship. I checked that (laughs) box. It's over. It's over now.
0: (laughs) I missed my chance. And then we've got other organizations like So Far Sounds that Brandon also brought to Mm -hmm. Gainesville, which is obviously, which is live music, but... I think storytelling nonetheless, and the the hosting is meant to be community building and story mm-hmm. oriented. TEDxUF, like Human the speakers. Library. Human so Library. Cool. Yes. Through the <laughs> business school. They're yeah. so great. Yeah. And then with WUFT on campus, they do Untold Florida and have really cool ways of getting involved in um, mm-hmm. telling stories about your neighborhood. Like you can text in things about that are going on in your neighborhood and That's then people so will cool. come and report on that. I know. It's such a cool thing. Um, like by text message and um, and online entries and what stuff the youths like that. Do what the youths? Yes. Yeah. Right. They're using apps that we're completely unaware of to tell their <laughs> stories, and that's okay. Um, so yeah, now that we've given people kind of a background of story, Katie, why don't we have you tell your story? And again, Katie told this story um, on our April stage, which was so fun. It was at the Florida Museum of Natural History. And they had us do a show around the theme of When Nature Calls because they had an exhibit called The Poop on Scoop. <laughs> (laughs) The scoop on poop, the poop on (laughs) scoop. You're nailing it, yes. Right, yes. It can be called either. And Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I'm sure it can. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other way around is a different theme, maybe. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) They should maybe next time, right? So a lot of people brought stories about, um, you know, nature, obviously, and some bodily functions were in there. But Katie, you brought something different to our (laughs) stage. So let's share that with, with everyone here.
1: So my entire life is structured around free activities like I love me a good free activity and I don't even have any real standards for the activity itself just that it be something I should pay for and don't have to. I don't even feel the need to be qualified. I've gone to free advanced ballet classes, free karaoke with the Filipino Student Union. You can't see me, I'm not Filipino. I've done a free aqua therapy class for geriatrics. I'm not a geriatric. So a year and a half ago, when I see this flyer for a free women's self-defense and Brazilian jiu-jitsu something something, I just see the first word and I put it on my calendar. I didn't know what jiu-jitsu was. And amazingly, I didn't bother to Google it. So I just show up to this tiny room with wall-to-wall, white padded flooring, and this girl says, welcome, do you have a gi? I didn't know if I did or did not have a gi. I didn't know what a gi was. But she hands me what appears to be like a thick white bath robe with equally thick pajama pants. And between the white robe and the white floors, I'm settling in to what appears to be like a minimalist luxury retreat. When the instructor says, Jiu-Jitsu only ends one of two ways, a joint lock or a chokehold." I'm sorry. What? This is why you Google things, so you don't walk into a female fight club. But it was too late. I was wearing this girl's bathrobe. I was in this for at least the next hour and a half. And that day, they were drilling triangle chokes. A triangle choke is an adorable move where you hug your knee around your ankle in a figure four around someone's neck, and then you try to squeeze the air out of them with your thighs. I kept awkwardly laughing, but the truth is that there were real nerves under that laughter. Like a lot of people who have survived difficult things, I live with post-traumatic stress disorder. So I get panic attacks that can be triggered depending on the environment or the situation I find myself in. Sometimes those triggers are obvious. Other times you're like, in the nautical-inspired housewares section of Hobby Lobby, screaming, Why is this happening? I don't want to die in an overpriced craft store with questionable benefits policies, for example. But watching jujitsu, my whole spirit sank because this was a minefield of obvious triggers, and I was supposed to walk directly on the mines. But even as my chest tightened and my heart started to beat faster... I found myself wanting to face the fear or maybe wanting to want to face the fear. And so I'm watching them roll and I'm memorizing their movements and I start to give myself this pep talk. You are strong and you are a survivor and you can choose to do this. And the thing is that night... I could tell it was a room of survivors, like that part in me could recognize that part in them and their interactions and reactions and the lines on their faces and the particular way they smiled. And it gave me the mental support I needed. So I paired up with this woman who happened to resemble an Amazonian warrior and I tried to choke her with my thighs. I'd like the record to reflect before I tell what happened next that I'm not a violent person. Like, I've never even played team sports. Growing up, I was so afraid of confrontation that I couldn't even handle hide and seek. So way before anyone was even close to finding me, I'd jump out and yell, I'm here, you can come get me. I'll go peacefully, game over, everyone calm down. I had learned from a young age to always respond to aggression by yielding to the other person. But there I was with my legs around this Amazon's throat, and she was not letting me yield. Actually, she was chastising me. She was yelling, I can still breathe. And I was like, well, I don't want to hurt you. And she said, oh, you won't hurt me. I'll tap out before I lose consciousness. Jeez, tighten your legs. Are you sure? Just do it. Okay. Okay. Oh my god, you're turning purple! And she was turning an actual, literal purple. But she said, you can't quit. You have to cut off my carotid arteries. I said, Christ, this is awful. So I closed my eyes and squeezed as hard as I could. And she tapped. I had cut off her carotid arteries. And she smiled at me as her face returned to like a human shade and she said, good job, this woman I had just choked with my legs was congratulating me on successfully choking her with my legs, what kind of cult? So she chokes me, I choke her, everyone's choking everyone. And after class, I walk to my car in a daze and I pull myself into the driver's seat and I shut the door and I look into the rear view And I say out loud, you are a monster. Who even are you? I was so unused to aggression that I was genuinely horrified at what I was capable of. But the next week, I went back. I think I wanted to know that I could put myself through what felt like the worst possible situation again and again and be able to fight through the panic. The week after that... I went back because I started to like it. I had lived my whole life believing I was timid, but my true nature was calling me. The next month, I signed up for a rape aggression defense class, and the first time the instructor shouted no, I peed. I'd never heard a woman use her voice like that before. And for the first time in my life, I yelled. And by the end of class, I was yelling no, like I was making up for all the no's I hadn't said. And I punched and kicked and kneed and elbowed and pretended to rip someone's balls off. Aggression felt amazing. So when a notification popped up on my phone for a free women's jiu-jitsu seminar, I signed my unqualified self up immediately, and we carpool to Jacksonville, and I change into a gi, and I step into the gym, and what I saw there left a profound impression on me. It was 150 women and girls who were present and strong and took up space, Our whole lives, women are told to take up less space, physically, verbally, emotionally, but this was a room of women claiming as much space for themselves as they wanted. This was a room of broad shoulders and loud voices, a room of easy laughs and big gestures, and I memorized the light I saw in the eyes of the younger girls. It was a light of confidence and bravery and strength Little girls with straight spines and forward-looking eyes. And my lungs inflated with hope. This was a room of freedom that had been fought for together and won. And I came to that seminar expecting to laugh at myself, but found that I didn't laugh. I drilled and I rolled like I wanted it. And I do, I want to be like those women. I want broad shoulders and a loud voice. I want an easy laugh and big gestures. I want freedom and I'm ready to fight. So let's roll. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I get I get goosebumps hearing that again. And it's like, Katie, that story was so powerful on our stage, like you had people rolling in the aisles laughing and then, you know, searching in their bags for Kleenex at the same time. I I am like, I feel so grateful in hearing you tell that story and everything that it that it brings that you rediscovered this. You know, like, mm-hmm. I feel like we would all be worse off. <laughs> if we didn't have, you know, your, your stories and everything that you make of um, make of them. Um, and that goes for everyone else who decides to come forward and tell a story you know um thank you so much for sharing that again and I you have such a specific style um that I'm just getting to know and already love so much but I am so drawn to your ability to bring humor and comedy to situations that are hard you Mm -hmm. know um and that that's a specific kind of gift I don't think um I don't think everyone does that or there may not be a comfort level for it. And that's OK. Mm-hmm. But your your style is so that way. Um, if I were to summarize some of it. So you do a great job of of bringing laughter to the meaning. And part of it is through your self-deprecation, <laughs> which is totally appealing. But then also your honesty. It's not like you hold back and kind of say what you meant. I mean, you mm-hmm. spell it out for people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think um, honesty to me, is probably one of the things most lacking today. And because of that, it's really powerful. I think a lot of people think that they don't have stories to tell or they couldn't do that. Yes. Or they think they're they're not interesting or their life right. isn't interesting. But the truth is, anyone being totally honest is inherently interesting. Yes. No matter the content of your life because it's so rare. And mm. so it's just to hear someone um, not put any layers over their experience is so powerful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so true. Um, So many people will say, oh, I don't have any stories, right? But your point is that that honesty of... And -hmm. and I think what's so awesome about your story is now that you've crafted it and shared it with people, we see it as this, you know, something we want to retell, right? But you... And you took... um, an example in your life that was this one class
1: right. that became
0: this much bigger symbol. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about that class; it's about your life. It's about mm-hmm. your this moment in Hobby Lobby, oh you know, the, the nautical section of Hobby yes. Lobby. I love that description. So, you know, you um, you lighten it by making these observations about your experience, but you build a story out of one workshop. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think whenever I'm thinking about a story I want to tell, I I keep my eye out as I'm moving through life for like bizarre or interesting or funny situations, and I put them in my back pocket, and then I wait for meaning to reveal itself, Um, and it always does. Sometimes it's at the same time. Sometimes it takes years, Um, but there will eventually be, like, overarching meaning even to panic attacks in the nautical (laughs) section of Hobby Lobby. (laughs) It's
0: just... That's just the best. I think I texted you the other day that sometimes I get freaked out in the floral section. It yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that's yeah. healthy. We're both very healthy. We're very, very well-adjusted yeah. human beings. Yeah, c- clearly. Um, and I love, you know, you're saying that having these observations of the world and keeping them in your back pocket. I love that. And the meaning mm-hmm. arrives, right, at the right time when it when you need to be inspired. You also have a great way with with using specific details, which I think is really appealing in in hearing a story. We get even these, you know, like she gave me a ghee and I didn't even know what a ghee was. And so when you It sounds mysterious. (laughs) It does. Or it sounds like clarified butter that I have in my you know, it's spelled differently I I think. (laughs) Or it's like I've heard my liver ghee is is yeah. uh lacking it's like this chi but you know it's, it's so <laughs> close I want it to be the same thing so I love that you're able to use words and details that help us have fun in these moments and then you bring people to this this meaning moment yeah. you know through your honesty
1: I think I think um heaviness and humor have always been intertwined for me
0: mm-hmm.
1: to not to get too deep here do it girl but I feel like The relief of laughing is one of the biggest gifts humans are given, and it allows us to face and move through a life that is, um, yes, beautiful and full of joy, but also incredibly hard and confusing. Right. I think people like to uh, put things in boxes um, Mm -hmm. and separate. This is hard and this is ugly and this is beautiful. But I think it's a lot more honest um, and a lot more powerful to kind of break open those boxes and let everything run together. And I also think that humor um, can make heavy things much more approachable and understandable for other people Yeah, when it's easy to be scared of approaching those subjects. But if you can crack a joke and laugh at it, it gives people permission to relax and be curious and... Um, Not be so afraid of the heaviness of life. Um, All of that is probably what a psychologist would label a coping mechanism, but I like to think (laughs) it's a beautiful gift.
0: Once again, uh, yes, you're you're a very healthy human being. Yeah, Yeah, no, no, I'm doing (laughs) great. (laughs) I think that's a that's my preferred coping mechanism as well. I think a lot of things you said are so true, like coping mechanism and all that. that it breaks down barriers, mm-hmm. it makes us more relatable, yeah. it makes things more palatable. I don't think you, I didn't hear you saying that you push things to the side through laughing at them. Right. You're you're more that breaking the boxes open and letting them flow together. It's like, this mm-hmm. is real life. Real life is messy and mm-hmm. sometimes it's beautiful, but sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's both.
1: Yes. And I yeah. think that
0: acceptance of you know everything together mm-hmm. is more what you're speaking to. I think it's really important. Um I've heard a lot of people say in my workshops when we talk about self-deprecation that there are limits to it, you know, that like we all and I and I think we all have to have our boundaries, but for me I I feel like self-deprecation for me personally gives me that freedom. Yes. You know. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it I mean, part of it is that I was raised by my Welsh father and like self-deprecation is just like in my blood. (laughs) A way of life. Yeah. And part of it, I don't know, people always seem to react a lot heavier to my self-deprecation of myself than I feel about it. So they're always like, "Uh, you know, no, Katie, you're like an angel, like chin up. And it's not about that for me. I think um, it's, I think there's more freedom in letting go of your need to be anything Mm -hmm. than there is in convincing yourself that you meet standards. Yeah. I would rather just totally let go of the standards. And I can crack a joke and laugh at myself. And if that feels good for me and it feels empowering for me and it's not a downer for me. I think that should probably be the only gauge, you know? That's right. Like how is the person making the joke really feeling?
0: Yeah, exactly. So, people, um, encouraging people to use that as the metric for themselves of how far they want to take their yeah. honesty or their openness or vulnerability. Yeah. yeah, if it makes them, if it works for them. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think it loops back to that honesty component, though, of like um, total honesty is just like a rare thing yeah it's like a unicorn in today's yes. culture and so my pr- problem or my greatest gift yes is that I am like I get itchy and intolerant to like the weird layers that we layer over things anything inauthentic makes me super uncomfortable so the problem is a handful of years ago I got it into my head that I don't have to follow those rules anymore but if you don't adjust yourself to that it just creates awkwardness like everywhere you go you're a fount of awkwardness a fount thank you for that
0: yeah right but like these are all great examples of how you can use um how you can I think like farm out stories from your life oh farming, farming. don't oh, I know we just brought it full circle that's a callback, ladies and gentlemen yeah. um so if you're interested so anyway the you know it's a way of drawing those things out I mean even that sentence you said about like uh, oh, what was the sentence you said about There's always these this fount of awkwardness. You know, I put myself in these situations and whatever. That can even be the reason to tell a story. Like that one sentence totally. can be like open yes. up this world of, okay well what are some examples of that and what right. could I make a story mm-hmm. out of and all those things that we've hidden in our psyche or our back pocket or yes. whatever about observations of life yeah. can come out and that's where we get the richness and the details from mm-hmm. but it starts with those honest observations like the yes. one, the, the ones that you have about yourself
1: I heard uh, an important fancy writer person say that um, he calls it like adding to the compost heap of our mm-hmm. mind because people yeah. always ask him, him like oh are you uh, I mean in our case we are telling true stories that happen to us for him he's a fiction writer and he says you know people always ask him are you writing about your life and he says it's more like a compost heap that you add all these experiences and then th- they all get mixed together and then things grow out of it um and that's really how I feel even with true yeah. stories um you don't always see the themes and narratives in your life, but you also have agency in constructing those narratives. And I think that's what's so empowering is that yeah. uh, how you see your life is rested in the stories you tell yourself about your life. Can you tell that I've been to counseling? Um, <laughs> this is awesome. And so so you really have the power to um, – I don't want to say construct a meaningful life, but maybe more uncover meaning in your life. Um, And you can really be proud of the life you've lived as you do that.
0: Absolutely. There's so much richness in this. And I think how you're saying that bringing out the stories from your life can be so empowering. I think even the way that we label ourselves Mm -hmm. can tell us a lot about who we are and changing the label. Like, you know, um, I I think even though – I think about my own life and how I've always liked to be a performer and then I put it away for a while yes. and as it started to come back out and I've discovered it's like, you know, a drama queen is like a constant thing that I feel like a lot of my female friends we've been called, you know, or been like <laughs> a loud woman or something like yeah. that. You know, and um yeah, dramatic whatever and my therapist uh, said no, oh, it's nice. charismatic. <laughs> And see, that changes the narrative, right? Yeah. If you if you label yourself as charismatic versus what a drama queen, even right. though both could potentially be true. I'm right. not speaking from experience, of course, just, just <laughs> you know. Uh, but it, the labels we put on ourselves really change the story, too. Yeah.
1: And not in a... maybe, maybe I wouldn't have perspective on this. I was going to say not in a self delusional way, but I guess you wouldn't know if you were self deluded. Um, (laughs) yeah, I think it's not like, uh, I, I actually really don't like the current movement of like, you're perfect. You're there's nothing wrong with you. I think I, but I do like the, um, yeah, how we label ourselves and naming strengths, um, I, that was part of how I got back into storytelling, which was a huge, um, nervous jump for me is that, um, so I hear whatever the voice of the universe within me, whatever Deepak Chopra, um, I would call God, um, saying to tell stories. And, uh, I started writing and wrote for a long time before I ever said I was a writer. That was so uncomfortable, Mm. but as soon, it was crazy. As soon as I I decided I would just start calling myself a writer to people before I was doing the thing. Yes. It opened so many doors. People have alarmingly low, like, background checks on things. So I'm just like, (laughs) yeah, and also I'm a writer. And they're like, great, will you write this thing for me or can I hear? Um, And it's been totally different. And even embracing the term Mm. of storyteller – Life really does open up so many opportunities. Maybe that's just code for privilege, but um,
0: yeah. I think, Good. but it's and it's ownership too, mm-hmm. you know, of the title for yourself, for the world to then be able to own it.
1: Yeah. Nobody will see you uh, as something if you're not willing to see yourself that way. Um, and so like, who's going to think I'm a writer if I don't say I'm a writer? Absolutely. So it's been super empowering and it does shift how you see yourself and it does shift your decisions and sometimes I find it starts with um, speaking something out, labeling it, and then your life will rearrange to reflect that.
0: I think what you're saying too is really important for people who are looking to get into storytelling, whether it's through written means or spoken word, mm-hmm. or what have you, because of that thing where people say, "I'm not, I don't have any stories. I'm not a good storyteller. I'm terrified of public speaking. Yeah, whatever the f- the fear is, because what. I'm wondering what you would think, Katie. I tell people in order to get started with storytelling, you should start writing. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it can be for three, three minutes, you know, yeah. like Anne Lamott says, you know, just you got to put your butt in the chair and make the shitty first draft. Yeah, I think that's kind of the, you know, it's it's no judgment is why she calls it that it is mm-hmm. just letting it flow. And then also, you don't have to jump in the deep end, right? You can you can start going to shows, yeah, watching it, observing what are different tools that people use what can mm-hmm. i relate to you can play the game with yourself when you go home after a storytelling show you know what would the what would the story have been if i had told it tonight mm-hmm. and just kind of play with that and i think that's a you know listening to storytelling podcasts like we have so much access it's storytelling yes. is kind of the thing of the moment right now it's
1: having a rebirth it it's is. weird that it was like you know, millennia of human history. There were professional storytellers and this was like a recognized art form. And then there was like a, a century or like, you know, a handful of decades where that became not a thing to the point where now when I say I'm a storyteller, people are like, what are you talking about? Right. But it's having like a rebirth and there's so much resources. And even in Gainesville... There's like a thriving storytelling community in this tiny town. I
0: know. It's beautiful. And a lot of small towns have them. Yeah. Um, It's really neat. If you just look around and just Google storytelling organizations, Mm -hmm. there's bajillions out there. You know, same with podcasting. Yeah, Businesses are using it. Nonprofits are using it. Um, Crowdsourcing, crowdfunding, all of that stuff is like, tell me your story and invest in it.
1: Yeah. Here's the thing about storytelling is that I think everyone walks around with these big walls up and storytelling has like this magic ability to tunnel under that wall and like just creep up to someone on a heart level yep. that just straight up debate and discourse can't do. Yeah. And it it connects us to each other in really fundamental ways. So I think right, it's a really underrated tool for change and it's really powerful. And anyone can do it. And everyone has access to it. And to me, the more, the better. Like the more people tell stories and the more stories we hear, especially stories that we're not um, hearing from and especially stories we're not hearing from the people who are living them, That's the right.
0: Better. That's right. Yeah. From um, different communities. I mean, storytelling can bring out a lot of diversity, too, mm-hmm. as a unifying factor. But you're right that we don't we don't always have access to each other's stories in different neighborhoods. Like the person living in the neighborhood over from us could have a totally different life, but we still can connect with each other, but we haven't done the work to know or or been in the right place together to know. And I think even within our family systems, you know, there are stories or or the person next to you in your office place, Mm -hmm. you may think that you know them, but if you go into the deeper story asking Um, asking a couple of questions and being available to listen, there's, there's so much there. And um, I think that, you know, a lot of this does has to do with our fears, our fears of what's different, our fears of what if someone is like me? What if I (laughs) don't want to discover what's under that in that tunnel Mm -hmm. of the wall that you're talking under the wall that you're talking about, and letting letting things come up. So I think that You know, I always encourage people to to listen to stories, to talk with people like you said, Katie, to really just start telling their story and see and see what happens. You don't even have to take on the title of a storyteller, but starting to share and being um, and being vulnerable and open. You know, find the podcast, go to open mic nights and events and kind of get the juju flowing For your own story. And you may find yourself, you know, like like Katie, like you've done and um, a bunch of other people in Gainesville is pitching stories and putting yourself on stage as a way to prove to yourself that you can do it, you know, (laughs) and there's like we said, there's a ton of mediums in Gainesville to do it. So um, it's an exciting art form. But I, I and I just I think that you're like a maven. Whoa. Has anyone ever called you that before?
1: No, but I'm taking yes. it. Yes, take Putting it and that run my with resume. it, girlfriend. Wow, yes, exactly.
0: explain that one in interviews. Yeah,
1: okay, first I was Farming a farmer, ma- and yeah. then I was kind of like a
0: maiden, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to summarize it, you can call my reference, Taylor. Yeah. She'll tell you about it. <laughs> Well, Katie, thanks for being with us today for for this maiden voyage, yeah. Maven voyage. Ooh, Ooh. wordplay. Yes. Um, and for WUFT for allowing us to come in here and play a little bit. This is awesome for this first podcast. I always tell our storytellers in our shows that the audience has their backs and they want the best for them. Assume this for yourself, too. Share your story and see what happens. Listening is a super powerful tool for connection, as is vulnerability. We'll talk a lot more about sharing stories in podcasts yet to be born on Unvarnished. In the meantime, from Guts and Glory GNV and WUFT, what's your story?